The following broadcast is a production of Subject Radio, a service of Subject Student Run Media, a 501c3 corporation. Visit us on the web at subjectmedia.org. This week on Advanced Blockbuster Studies, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Episode 2, The Star-Spangled Soldier. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to this week's installment of Advanced Blockbuster Studies. I'm Joseph DiDomizio, one of the three hosts we have here. Uh, I'm Tyler Bauer. And I am Tom Kowalski. And this week we're looking at uh, episode two, The Star-Spangled Man. This is episode two of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier on Disney+. And we did episode one last week. So if you didn't listen to us last week or didn't watch it last week, go back, do that, then come back and just press pause, come back and come back over here. Anyway, so let's just get right into it. First impressions, guys. What do you think? What did you think of the episode as a whole? Well, I thought it was great overall. I'm so glad to uh, see some of the action. That uh, that truck scene, I thought it was uh, it was some great action. Really love to see the uh, the relationship between Sam and Bucky. I'm excited to see where it goes with the future. Like uh, like in future episodes with the villains and the return of Baron Zemo, who was one of my favorite villains from the MCU. The uh, the issues we touched on with like racial tensions and stuff and modern America and stuff. I thought it was a great episode overall. I think I think it did a really good job. Also, I mean, I think that it provided a lot of different plot points of where we're going with this show but also i think that they did a good job of doing a lot of callbacks to previous ones i mean even the name of the episode that calls back to steve rogers back in first avenger when he was going around doing his little press tour for the war bonds and you heard it in the marching band song too they were actually playing the song from uh from steve rogers in first avenger which i thought was really cool i thought it was a cool little nod so i i enjoyed it once again the action sequences movie caliber I, I don't see it on a show standard. I see it as a, almost as if this is an MCU movie action. And everything else was good, too. I mean, seeing the interactions, diving into really did some deep issues, deep-rooted issues going on in, like, the U.S. was pretty cool, too. So, yeah, I loved it. I thought it was great. Excellent. I, I liked it, too. I'm a little worried that it might be a little overstuffed at the edges. Like, there's a lot going on in here. You mentioned that there's a lot of good callbacks, and I like that, too. And I think we'll start talking about all the, all the good stuff from John Walker. And also some of the more toolish aspects of John Walker throughout this episode. Because you could definitely think that Steve Rogers might have been a little bit of an old man. But man, he has not met a tool like John Walker (laughs) You know, I will say, though, I feel as if they did a pretty good job of making you like him in the beginning. You know, it's almost like you're not sure. But then by the end of it, you're like, oh, yeah, he, yeah, I don't like talking to my friend about this over text, like just a few minutes ago, we were just like, he was like, John Walker is not really the uh, the main villain. I think he's he's like, it's the U.S. government who's the villain. I I think I mostly agree with that. I as of now, I think John Walker is just he's just the guy they happened to choose. If they didn't choose him, it would have been the next person in line to be the next Captain America. Someone was going to be the next Captain America because they obviously weren't going to just keep the shield in the museum. I was reading, though, somewhere on Reddit that some people were theorizing that maybe Maybe he could, uh, in trying to become the next Captain America, he could possibly even like take one of the super soldier serums that uh, the uh, the bad guys are using. I thought that might be an interesting plot point that maybe they'll uh, look at later. And I will say this. I mean, from the interview scene with with John Walker on Good Morning America, which, you know, we all know GMA is owned by Disney. Okay, we get it. Um, But... uh, they always highlighted his military career, which I thought was interesting and which that's another callback where uh, I think it was Stanley Tucci's character. What is it? Dr. Abraham Erkshine? I butchered the last name on it. But, um, you know, when when he was talking to Steve Rogers before the experiment, 
it wasn't about having a good soldier. It was about having a good man. And I feel as if they're really showing that he's a good soldier and they're not really showing the good man part. And I think that that was a little nod to the, to the, uh, the past movies also. Definitely. I think, I think he's definitely just uh, largely just the propaganda machine. Like there was one point where he was like signing like an action figure <laughs> And um, I don't know if you guys have seen the uh, the boys on mm-hmm. Amazon on Amazon Prime. It reminded me a lot of that in that aspect, where they're a lot of just they're essentially just corporate government military like propaganda machines. Uh, yeah, I think that's pretty much what he is. He is apparently a competent fighter, though. He was doing pretty well with that shield. I yeah, I I, I want to know what training he got for how to how to throw a shield. I mean, it seems as if he knew how to do that yeah. pretty quickly. Yeah, the one the one thing I liked, and we talked about this last week too, was was the callback and power setting that they did in the first episode with Sam and Bucky, right? They reminded you who the Winter Soldier was. They reminded you who who, who Sam was in the Falcon, and they they, they put Batroc up there so they could you could understand how good he is at doing his job. And with this, you see John Walker, who's played by Wyatt Russell, do the things that Captain America did in the 40s, right? Part of the USO routine, part of all the other stuff that he was originally made for, but without the kind of existential issue, at least the, the larger one, that Steve had that made him want to do more for it. So I think there's a lot of great callbacks in here. And I think you pointed out a bunch of them that just were screaming off the page for fans and newbies alike that could understand that. Uh, so that's, that's great. And let's talk a little bit about the Flag Smashers in general then, because you mentioned the action scene, Tom. That's where we first get, finally, Sam Wilson and Bucky uh, fighting but together. But then also we end up seeing both John, John Walker, the new Captain America, and Lamar Hoskins, a.k.a. Battlestar for comic book nerds like us, might I point out, finally meet as a as a quartet, and uh, that didn't that didn't go so well at all, did it? Yeah, I, I thought that the scene was great. I thought it showcased like uh, everyone's powers pretty well. I thought I was not expecting John Walker to show up because in all the trailers, like he he didn't show up at all. So it was just like, oh, he's here. That was cool. It was good to see like a you know, like I said before, he's a he's a competent Captain America at least in terms of fighting. Like he's uh, he's pretty good with the shield. I was surprised to see a gun though, because I think the only instance of Captain America using a gun was like once in the first Avenger and once in Avengers, the first Avengers, and that's like pretty much all I can remember. So I was surprised. To like, see, he just had a he had a he had a strap. I, I was I was not expecting it. Yeah, I uh, it, that was such a, a great fight scene though. I, I will admit, I'm still not entirely sure what the Flag Smashers' uh, larger goals are. Like they, uh, they said they still want to return to the blip. I don't know what that means exactly. So I'm hoping to see more of uh, that and like learn more. And maybe I'll learn to sympathize or at least understand their goals more a bit. Yeah, and, and I think that we're all on the same page too. When, when Winter Soldier, Sebastian Stan, jumped in and went into the truck, he, was, he mentioned, oh, these are all vaccines and medicine. That's super, that has to be so, Super Soldier Serum, right? I mean, there's no way that that's just regular vaccines and medicine we're on the same page right so yeah it's got to be some kind of health supplement right especially i mean i think you're getting to this but especially with like the the power broker drop near the end of the episode yeah which if you haven't figured it out there might be some spoilers in this podcast so make sure you saw the episode beforehand i mean but it's a recap so hopefully yeah that 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 drop with uh with power broker i mean it's there's a, a lot of subtleties. There's a lot of theorizing now where, you know, there's a lot of potential avenues you can go with, uh, with them mentioning power broker. There is an attachment to, to us agent and to uh, Battlestar. So 
there is an attachment there. And I feel as if just throwing that name out is not just to throw the name out. So I really think that uh, they are going to start going to a territory of super soldier serums, which they're going to be giving out to people. Um, and how is that going to impact the world? I mean, I, I feel as if maybe the flag smashers took the shipments from power broker and they're planning on giving them to their followers. Uh, you know, I don't know. They mentioned that they got a lot of uh, supplies and a lot of resources. And that's um, when they were in the back of the car, they were talking about it. So maybe that's part of their plan. And uh, then just kind of dominating everyone. I, I, don't, I don't know. It's kind of, it's, it's interesting. Yeah. I'm not sure either. Like I think, uh, I think there's there's a lot left to go, and thank gosh we have four episodes to figure it out. Um, they've dropped hints, right, that they're they want to do some kind of borderless situation, some kind of anarchist situation on the planet. It's not clear, but yeah, the power broker for the, for folks that don't know, and the comics is is a villain who made essentially the super soldier serum, some kind of supplement that was addictive and injected it to folks, and it became a whole a whole situation. Yeah, I don't well, think. It- and and not only that too, it, it it has highly addictive properties, almost like drugs. So when a person takes it for the first time, they want it again, and because of that, it leads to people doing things in a political setting or anything like that to ensure that they keep on getting their fix. So um, imagine if John if uh, John Walker is actually taking some of that. I mean, that can really impact a larger larger issue. But we'll see. Or I still think, and which I agree with you, Tom, and I think the U.S. government is behind uh, a lot of this and um, the villains of the series. It goes back to our bank talk last <laughs> last week. Um, <laughs> but I think that the power brokers actually work with the U.S. government in, in this, too. So I think that there's a, a deeper plot here. But it's uh, it was definitely interesting to kind of see how this is expanding in so many different ways. I didn't think that we would go in this kind of direction. I thought it was going to be very black and white, but it seems as if these shows are now taking a larger than life kind of meaning and they're going outside their normal boundaries and they're bringing in concepts that can have large implications for where the movies are going also. Yeah, I'm down with that. And I think this is a great segue into talking about how the U.S. government is definitely maligned particular character we see finally, Isaiah Bradley, who's played by uh, Carl Lumley. He shows up in here, and for folks at home who don't know who Isaiah is, there was a 2003 limited series by uh, Robert Morales called uh, Truth, Red, White, and Black about the first Black Captain America. That takes place in continuity in Marvel, and it's kept up. And seeing the MCU embrace what is essentially a poor light that they see the government and some other superhero development in America is, uh, is, is good. It's definitely responding to some criticism about the number of white superheroes that the MCU has, the way they've treated uh, heroes of color in the past. Also being able to show this and also bring it into like the current America. Like we talked about that last episode, there was um, uh, a strong undercurrent of like, what is Sam going to do? And how do, what does the first uh, black man to hold Captain America's shield uh, look like to America, America today? And it's a great question. And I didn't see a lot of that questioning. Um, in um the first episode just putting the questions out there but now there seems like there has been more to those questions that we have we have a tease of an answer right now so um what did you guys think of uh the whole set piece with isaiah 
in Baltimore. I thought that was such a, a cool scene, an interesting scene, because I was uh, I was interested in seeing if they'd uh, ever introduced Patriot, the character Patriot, who is um, the grandson of uh, Isaiah in the comics. And I think he's, I'm not sure if it's ever actually said, but I think in the credits it's yeah. stated that he is the grandson. I believe his name is Eli Bradley. Yeah. I think in the credits, uh, the, the guy, the kid who opens up the door, that's his... Uh, uh, that's his grandson who becomes Patriot. So I'm interested to see that. We were talking about uh, Young Avengers, I think, earlier before the start of the episode. And I think this is just another, you know, piece of that puzzle. I'm excited to see that. Like, uh, like you said, it was like shining on a light on uh, something that we don't really talk about a lot, where uh, the U.S. government honestly probably would do something like that, especially in the 40s. During World War II, they probably would give this super soldier, experimental super soldier serum to a black man. And then after he uses it to fight like captain america he gets to go to jail so uh, you know that's just you know more of the uh, racial i guess discrepancies or differences in uh in america and like the consequences that you're still seeing like uh steve rogers he uh you know got the hero's funeral and the hero's send away and he got to live his life as a, a successful hero and isaiah is just you know uh, chilling in baltimore uh with his grandson I really hope they go more into his character too. I really hope they talk a little bit more just because it's such an interesting story also that I think that has a lot of meaning from a, from a sense of understanding our history and understanding the issues with our history. Isaiah Bradley, if I recall correctly from the comics, he was part of 300 African-American soldiers that were essentially tested on to see if they can create super soldier abilities. And he was one of the only people that survived. And because of that, he had these abilities in which that's very reminiscent of the, uh, the Tuskegee uh, experiments. They almost took that exact framework and applied that to a comic book setting. And talking about it is helpful, especially in an MCU. I mean, you, you have so many people watching. There's so many eyes on it where they're, they're talking about this. But at the same time, this is part of our history and part of the issues that we have. And so, yeah, I, I, I think that it's a great character. I I think that he, they did a good job of showcasing his personality a little bit too. I think it's funny that, that him and Bucky fought, you know, in the Korean War. Uh, and he took half his arm, just like Tony Stark. Hey, Tony Stark took half his arm over in Civil War. So, I mean, he, uh, he clearly has some very strong fighting ability. Uh, so, it, it's just a, being experimented on for 30 years in a prison is definitely a little much. I definitely hope we... Uh... Get to see more from before the series uh, comes to an end. I know you, uh, we said on the IMDb page that uh, he only appears in this episode, but they could just be tricking us again like they were with Quicksilver in uh, WandaVision. And I'm really hoping we get that because I think he's too interesting and too cool of a character to uh, just kind of be in a one-off episode, you know? Like, uh, we still, we, he still has that, like, uh, the strength, at least. He's able to throw, like, a tin can into a wall and it's stuck there. So, you know, I'm really hoping we see more. I, I, do, I do love his personality where he's just cranky old man, though. I mean, I think that they don't take Carl Lumbly and use him only for that one episode. I mean, an actor like him, he's done so much good stuff over the years that I feel as if they, there has to be a recurring with him. Uh, it just, it would be such a wasted opportunity to grab an actor like that and just only use him for one episode. Oh, absolutely, yeah, for sure. And I think um, I agree with, with all that. I, I, I could watch an entire series about uh, Truth by Red, yeah. White, and Black. I'll tell you that right now. And I think 
I think there's a lot more going on too with what that experimentation is because that's like the first difference in uh, between comics continuity that they teased at about like the length of time he spent in prison and like where he got tested on and everything uh, where Bradley got tested on. There's definitely a connection back to um, in the comics at least back to the super soldier serum that he has and then also to Power Broker too and yeah. like you said addiction with that kind of stuff. One of the in the in the miniseries the the comics miniseries the the it's like the complete opposite end in for that character for for isaiah he ends up um with alzheimer's and body and um mental struggles that you do if you have too many performance enhancing drugs or um steroid use too often too long and so that's you know we tom you mentioned the crankiness i'm like oh are they hinting at this or are is that why we're so protective or, you know is this the situation uh, so I was hope I I don't know how far they're going to push it because that would be, that would be the saddest thing that I think the MCU would would could do, uh, but it's right for the character. But you know I have no idea. But I I just want to see where it's going, and that's for me for this episode. That's the biggest. That was the biggest draw to say like I want more of of um, of Isaiah Bradley in here, until of course we got to like the end, and there was that big orchestral music and we're like zooming through into a prison past a chess set and we finally got that we finally got to the fireworks factory here with daniel Bruhl uh as uh as zemo sitting in his prison cell so who i guess wasn't snapped or if he was he got snapped back into prison who knows which would be the worst right <laughs> it was very very reminiscent of um lex luther and justice league to me seen in the in the prison's like sequence just just uh I, maybe it's just because I just saw Zack Snyder's uh, Snyder cut, so yeah. maybe I'm just thinking about it, but they very reminiscent of that. Yeah, it reminded me a bit of uh, the Magneto prison scenes from the X-Men. Yeah. Uh, obviously without, with more metal and less plastic, but with the idea that he's like isolated and he's, he's kept away, or at least he's waiting, just being a patient guy um, for whatever comes at him, and I guess, I guess we're coming at him. At least we're yeah. watching them coming at him. Like he's uh like he's completely in, tr- in control or not in control, but like he's got a plan to get out of here anytime, right? Or something like that, or he's working on him. Yeah, I I can't believe he'd be. It it feels like, like if you know from the comics, like the power broker goes all the way back to working with um, the Red Skull, and also with the Super Soldier Serum development that um, Isaiah Bradley was involved with then you kind of still get the idea that maybe maybe Zemo also either knows this or might be might be really the big bag on top of it. You know what I mean? Um, but I'm not sure I believe that. You know, I don't know. I don't, I, we, I, because this, this episode to me felt a lot like, with its overstuffness, felt a lot like some of the Netflix um, MCU series where we yeah. had a lot of plot moving us through, not necessarily like good character development. I think we got a little bit better balance, but it feels a lot like we're doing so much in so little time. Um, but it also seemed like we we needed to to use small we needed to see smaller villains in those series too. Like Zemo is such a big movie villain. Like he brought down the Avengers, right? Does he fit to where Bucky and Sam are right now as far as like the the trouble? Is should he be used bigger? But Power Broker, who nobody knows, uh, you know, like Copperhead and Luke Cage or something like that, or the Purple Man. I mean, he's integral to Jessica Jones, but but he's not a big deal for everybody. What makes sense 
uh, inside the situation. So what do, what do you guys think? Do you think that we're in for a, a Zemo controlling things behind the scenes from prison or are we just, hey, it's Daniel Brule. It's just going to do some cool shit at some point. I think he, I don't think he's controlling it right now. I think once he gets out of prison, and once he's able to, like, uh, or I'm assuming he's escaping from prison, he's going to be able to take control of the Flag Smashers and, like, use them for his own means. Because, like, that just seems like something he'd do, honestly. And maybe he would try to take down the Avengers again, or at least start with, like, a Sam and Bucky. It was very interesting how they brought Zemo into it, to be honest. Because uh, the reason why they're going to talk to him is because Bucky notices that they're super soldier serum. So he feels as if this is a Hydra secret. And, you know, Isaiah mentioned your people took my blood and experimented on me. And that was a reference to Hydra. So then he's saying that Zemo knows all the secrets of Hydra. So we should go to Zemo and ask him. But I honestly think that's going to run more into a dead end uh, than anything. And I think it's, it's just going to lead them to almost helping Zemo get out. And Zemo taking advantage of them in this situation to his own gain. I do want to see him try to... Uh, use the words to to brainwash Bucky. I do want to see that because I think that that would be a cool nod for Bucky to be like, no, it's not me anymore. Like, I, I'm completely free of that. But yeah, I, I, I'm i excited to see what he does. I mean, especially with them opening up with him playing chess. That's all strategy. All right, so we, we know that he's the, he's going to be the thinker in this situation of trying to make sure that these, these pieces are all in the right places for his eventual goal of what he wants to do, which... I love characters like that. I almost see Zemo in this series being someone who's helped setting pieces, but then he, at the end of it, he's going to be in a position of higher power so then he can be larger in the MCU. Yeah, I hope he, uh, I hope he comes back in a larger part of the MCU because I feel like he's severely underused for the most part. Yeah, I would agree with that. And speaking about severely underused, um, I want to talk a little bit about uh, Carly uh, Morgenthau, or played by Aaron uh, Kellyman, the leader of the um, Flag Smashers. Um, I am not familiar with her past work, but I guess it's pretty good, which is unfortunate, but I loved her in this, like that sweet, you, you see her in the, in the truck scene, that's that innocent, like scared face, but then like she switches on a dime into like someone who's just going to kick all kinds of butt. So I like seeing her do that. I like seeing an unassuming person, um, being able to like turn it on and off like that real fast. What did you guys think about, about her, um, her role in all this so far i mean uh pretty much like what you said i thought she was uh, <laughs> uh i think she's a great actress i mean you know the truck scene uh showcased that i think the uh the scene where it uh where she had to say goodbye to comrade i guess uh when he went to sacrifice himself so he could get away i thought that showcased like her uh her softer side so like she obviously doesn't or she she does care about like her uh her fellow um Flag Smashers. Uh, she's not just like this heartless like mastermind villain who's like sending her henchmen off to die. She she does care. Like she's a she's a leader. She's a, of this organization. I'm excited to see more of her. Uh, I she was fantastic at Solo, and right. uh, it seems as if she is getting these roles where she's playing these kind of like badass people. I mean, it's it's kind of cool to see. I, I guess I I don't know too much about it yet because I feel as if I don't know too much about. Her her and like tom mentioned before the motives behind the flag smashers and how they're going to accomplish their goal i think they did a good job of humanizing them uh you know going to scene and everyone's sitting there offering lodging and offering food and all these different things but i still think we haven't really seen enough of her you know kind of like how 
we had that Zemo and Civil War at the end when finally you understand why he was doing all this when he talked about in Sokovia and the, and the bodies and things like that, like that really drew you in. I, I'm waiting for that scene with her where we're going to understand kind of her motives and why she's doing this and, and the thoughts behind it. Awesome. Well, I think that just about covers everything. And I want to try something real quick with you guys, if you don't mind. I want to try to do a lightning round. I'm going to do a big three at the end of every episode. What do you think? Our own big three. It's not going to be wizards, aliens, or, uh, or androids for us, but um, three best moments out of this, uh, out of this, uh, this episode. So um, you guys want to go first? You want me to go first? Uh, I need some time to think for him. All right. I'll go first. I, I, I can jump in. Um, I, and it's a scene that we haven't really talked about, but I actually think that it was, it, it provided a lot more backstory into Bucky's character. It was that awkward counseling scene um, when you kind of got more into Bucky and why he was so adamant about the shield and uh, the reasonings behind his own self-doubt. And if Captain, and he believed that Captain America, Steve Rogers, that's, that's what he told me to do. He, he told me I, I could right my wrongs. I'm a good person. Uh, and if Sam, is, he told Sam that he's the next Captain America and he didn't take it. Well, maybe if he's wrong about him, maybe he's wrong about me. And because he is struggling with that um, kind of PTSD kind of, uh, you know, area. So I thought that that was a good scene. I purposely mentioned that one, though, because I have a feeling someone's going to mention Isaiah Bradley. Um, just because, I, I mean, that's just probably up there for one of the best scenes in the MCU. Yeah, like you said, I was going to. I was gonna say either the truck scene or Isaiah Bradley. Uh, I, I guess I'll I'll go with the uh, Isaiah Bradley. Um, so yeah, I mean, we already talked at length about this. I mean, I thought just the uh, the implications that came from their confrontation with Isaiah. I thought that it was great. I thought the uh, the setup of his character and the character, hopefully of uh, of Patriot. You know, I I think it's uh, really exciting for the MCU. Um, I really hope we see more of them. I mean, we already said all of this, but you know, yeah. uh, what else can you say? For uh, for me, I really liked uh, my favorite scene was the scene in the um, after the truck scene, where um, Don Walker and Lamar are trying to get um, Barnes and and uh, Wilson into the into the car, and they're just walking. It's this gorgeous walking, far away, distant walking shot, and it's just like it's perfect. It's really well shot and. But then it's awkward. It, the awkwardness does not stop. And it is seriously one of the most weird things. And you almost see Sam like want to agree with with Walker at a point. But then he's like, it would be great to have Steve's wingman. And then he's just like, I'm out. I'm done. Forget this. <laughs> and they just go in totally different directions. And I mean, you already didn't like him because uh, the, the Walker guys. But I, man, if you if you were on the fence, like I was on the fence. about, do I like him? Do I not like him? That drove it home. Like he's into surveillance. He doesn't mind. He's got a smugness to him that is weird. Uh, you know, he just assumes that everything comes with it, kind of thing. Um, not used to people not doing what he wants. So I right. feel the character for me. Uh, and also Sam, uh, about he's a better guy than um than Walker is, and he, you know, starting to plant the seeds. He should have kept the shield, you know, like everybody else is telling him. But that was my that was my three. Third, I guess. Yeah. No, I mean, he, he he clearly threatened them at the end of the episode. I mean, it's I, there's no other way to go around that. I mean, that's just. I mean, I, I sit there and I think of maybe I'm just biased, but at the same time, you know, did, did Steve Rogers ever say something like that? You know, I'm thinking back to 
Sharon Carter was sitting there saying, you know, you got to make, you got to sit like a tree and, and kind of stay firm. And, you know, and that's kind of what he did, but he did it through his actions and, and as opposed to kind of like going at people. So I, I don't know how this is. I want to maybe think that he's good, but at the same time, I just can't. I, I just, I know in my heart that he's bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't, maybe, you, I don't know. I think maybe not like bad as in like evil, like uh, a lot of the villains we see in the MCU, but he's just like, he lacks integrity. Yeah. You know? Like he doesn't, uh, uh, he doesn't, he's, he's a good soldier. He's not a, he's not a good man. Like we, like we were saying before. I mean, I think that there was a lot of funny memes that came out with everyone talking about it, how he's like, he hasn't even said a word. He just winked at the camera last episode and everyone, he went to like, he was the most hated character in the MCU pretty quickly. <laughs> and <laughs> I don't think this episode helps this case. <laughs> it definitely does not. It definitely does not. Thank you, Tom. Thank you, Tyler. This is a great discussion. I'm super jazzed for to talk again with you guys next week after watching uh, the third episode. And uh, for right now, we'll uh, let everyone get back to their daily business. Maybe watch the episode again. Share the podcast. Find us on Twitter uh, at uh, Subject Media or at subjectmedia.media.org uh, if you want to find more information about the podcast and the other things that we have. I'm Joseph DiDomizio. I'm Tyler Bauer. And I'm Tom Kowalski. And this has been Advanced Blockbuster Studies. See you next week. Good job, Joe. The preceding broadcast was a production of Subject Radio, a service of Subject Student Run Media, a 501c3 corporation. Visit us on the web at subjectmedia.org.